Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. Good morning. It's 8.56 a.m. Central Standard Time, February the 4th, 2019, and this is episode 58 of Bitcoin And. And uh, today we're going to do a little bit more of permaculture. I want to revisit um, the concept of stability and talk about something that I, I didn't get to uh, last time I talked about it. We'll do the morning roundup, which has some interesting things that occurred over the weekend. We'll do vitals, uh, daily train wrecked, that, you know, that, that sort of thing. So let's jump into it. Um, I'm going to uh, talk about this one uh Twitter account that, that I found, and this is a, a hat tip is going to go out to at DD Gaddis, D-D-G-A-D-D-I-S. And he brought to my attention a Twitter account called Flare Mining. And we talked about this uh, last week. Uh, again, this was, uh, this was about uh, the principle of stability in permaculture. Uh, again, I'm Getting this from Permaculture, a designer's manual uh, written by Bill Mollison, published in 1988. And um, let me go ahead and, and read this again. The principle of stability. It is not the number of diverse things in a design that leads to stability. It is the number of beneficial connections between these components. Now, the last time I talked about flare mining it wasn't do it wasn't really about the principle of stability it was more along the lines of waste and um having the you know a essentially the principle was that something is a pollutant if it builds up in a system and remains unused uh, that like it, uh, I mean, in, in a permaculture system, that could be as simple as too much chicken manure, too much rabbit manure. Uh, we see it all the time in feedlots, uh, cattle, uh, cattle feeding operations, otherwise known as CAFOs, uh, where in a, a very large amount of energy is spent, uh, disposing of, uh, cattle fecal matter and, in some cases, yeah, it gets sold as as uh, cattle manure, composted cattle manure, but in a lot of times, uh, it ends up going into a landfill. And when you've got that much manure <laughs> in one spot, uh, it's like that old joke: love is no love is like manure; it's no good unless you spread it around. Well, that's you know, and, and certainly in the case of manure, that is that is true. Uh, but it also goes, you know, it, it, it goes into what we were talking about um, last week about using uh, things like flare gas in petroleum production out in the field to uh, uh, run 
run mining operations, uh, to uh, provide ga- natural gas to generators, which will uh, generate electricity, which will then in turn run mining rigs. And then all you need at that point is an internet connection to be able to sync up to the blockchain, or you uh, could do it through via satellite communications as long as you have two-way communications. Uh, in either event, this the the principle or the 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 whole thing about pollutants becoming a resource if and only if there's some there's some part of the system that can accept that resource then and only then does the pollutant become a resource and in this case it's natural gas so going back to the principle of stability it is not the number of diverse things in a design that leads to stability it is the number of beneficial connections between these components so I want to start with the Flare Mining uh, Twitter account. Um, it is just simply Flare Mining, all one word. So that would be at Flare Mining, F-L-A-R-E-M-I-N-I-N-G. Uh, they started this account in December of 2017, so they've kind of been around. They only got 29 followers, though, so we'll we'll have to watch this account and see if you know see what they're doing. But they do have a medium post, which we'll get to in a, in a second. But uh, before we do, I want to touch on the principle of stability. Not only stability being formed when you're accepting what would be a pollutant and turning it into a resource. Um, I kind of want to get into. Um, just I just want to talk a little bit about the things that are being built around Bitcoin and God forbid even some of the of, of the altcoins. Um, when I first got into this whole thing, uh, Bitcoin and whatnot, when I first jumped in, I had zero problems with altcoins. In fact, it was one of those things that really excited me. Um, I have come full circle and realize that the only true value here is is bitcoin but this is a big but and i know it's gonna not make some of the maximalists very happy um but at least in the short to medium term um the stability of this system (coughs) is probably going to be predicated upon the existence of altcoins for at least two reasons and probably no more. I, I, I just can't see it. Last time we talked about this, I, I discussed the uh, potential of art altcoins being shields to Bitcoin. And from that standpoint, and, and I still believe that, 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 that has not changed since, you know, last week. Um, the, the fact that the, you know, Ethereum and all kinds of stuff, uh, Litecoin and Dogecoin and, you know, all these types of things can stand in the way of regulators coming after Bitcoin because it would be so much easier to take down any of these other coins because they're centralized. You can get to them easier. Uh, so as the SEC and FBI and FEC and whoever else is interested in this crap, at least in the United States, um, would... I, I guarantee you they are going to go after the low-hanging fruit. So they'll so these coins will act as a shield. But what is also occurring is things like you get side chains and you get these these connections. And I've talked about this a long time ago when we were talking about uh, 
mycorrhizal fungi and the way it forms networks in the soil. I I think what's going to end up happening is we're going to have, you know, at the end of the medium term, I think there's probably going to be five, maybe six or seven. I'll, I'll go all the way up to 10 major chains. If and only if these chains are talking to each other in a functional way and not a dysfunctional way, and that's a big if right there. Um, there could be, uh, there could be some stability given from that standpoint as well. Uh, simply because you have sit, you have coins that do different things. I know that all, most of this stuff can be built on top of Bitcoin, but until it is, you're going to have to figure out that the coins with the things that are not on Bitcoin right now will have their uses. It's just, it's going to, it's going to happen. I'm not thrilled about it. Uh, but what I am kind of thrilled about is the fact that the development being done on Bitcoin is very slow. It's very certain. It's very sure of itself. It's the hot is some of the highest quality code that's ever been written. It's almost impossible to think of a system coming into in the that's birthed in a way that has had almost not no problems, but I mean, the, the problems were dealt with the problems that were found were dealt with in pretty short order. And the, the code is as is rock fricking solid. I mean, you're talking about 99.98% uptime of the entire network through 10 years. I'm not really sure if there's anybody else that, could have possibly, or if there's anything else that could have possibly <laughs> been that badass right out of the gate. So the the point of stability here is that there, and the, the point of stability, Bitcoin and permaculture, there's a lot more to how these things connect up than what we might think. And learning from natural systems and looking at patterns that have already occurred in nature will give us some, uh, some ability to look into the future and build things that have rock solid stability because it's already, already been proven through, you know, tens of hundreds of millions of years of, of nature occurring. And I, I really think that the stability of Bitcoin because it's nodal in nature, I think that's one of the main things that has made it as resilient to all the crap that it's gone through uh, up until now. So in, in you know, with, with that said, I'm going to get into the next thing up in my stack. This is from Hasu, uh, Hasufly, at H-A-S-U-F-L. And he just, he's linking to a, uh, a Bitcoin magazine article and uh, announcing basically that Japanese fintech giant Digital Garage to bring a J, uh, JPY stablecoin to the Bitcoin network. So let's get into that one. This is uh, written by Colin Harper at A-S-L-L-A-Y-H-O-D-I. Oh, H-O-D-L-I-N-G. Um, says Blockstream uh, breaks into Japanese market with JPY stablecoin partnership. Blockstream is partnering with Japanese fintech giant Digital Garage to bring a JPY stablecoin to the Bitcoin network. 
to spearhead the project, Blockstream and the 120 billion yen, just over $1 billion US firm, are working under the label Crypto Garage with the help of Tokyo Tanchi, the largest inter-dealer broker in Japan with billions in trades daily, according to Samson Mao, Blockstream's chief strategy officer. The collaborative is building the yen-pegged coin, JPY token, on Blockstream's liquid network, a Bitcoin sidechain that tracks additional technical features onto the, or yeah, that tax additional technical features onto the blockchain like smart contracts. It's also the inaugural asset for Settlenet, a new liquid product suite that Blockstream claims will enhance trading efficiency and security for participants in the Bitcoin market. Settlenet will definitely make it easier for liquid issued assets to be created. Currently, savvy users can already create assets with command line tools, but having GUIs and frameworks for asset issuance will speed up adoption, Mao wrote to Bitcoin Magazine via email. Leveraging Settlenet Crypto Garage's JPY token can be atomic swap for LBTC, a liquid asset token that maintains a one-to-one peg to Bitcoin on the Bitcoin mainnet. Like its dollar, pound, and euro counterparts, JPY token will go one for one with the yen. The partnership has Blockstream embedded with two of Japan's fintech heavyweights, so Blockstream is operating within the bounds of Japan's financial regulations. Both Blockstream's blog post and Samson Mao's tweet on the announcement stressed that the Japanese Financial Services Agency has approved the product. To assist the exchanges that will be issuing and redeemed, redeeming the asset, the product suite will come with an authorizer, a rule-based transaction authorization tool that will let users process payments under preset conditions. The authorizer will help ensure regulatory compliance for certain transactions that may need to stay within a certain group of users. For example, a security token offering may only able to be transacted amongst accredited investors, Mao added in our correspondence. To start, the JPY token liquidity partners, the trusted parties who facilitate the swaps between Liquid and Bitcoin's networks, will be limited to FSA-licensed crypto exchanges in Japan, Mao indicated. It's not yet clear what the exact distribution model will be for the JPY stablecoin, he added. Mao stated that the partnership had been some time in the making. One of Blockstream's board members, Reed Hoffman, connected the company with Joey Ito, the director of the MIT Media Lab and one of Digital Garage's co-founders. The blue chip would become an investor in Blockstream's $55 million Series A funding round, after which time Samson wrote, that they started to explore a technology partnership to focus on blockchain initiatives in Japan. The exploration will begin to materialize in 2017 as Digital Garage Labs, Digital Garage's research and development arm, which Tokyo Tanshi, a Japanese brokerage services company, would join in the same year. Samson calls Crypto Garage a natural extension of these relationships, the culmination of each company's professional relationships after Blockstream fully committed to the project. Before Crypto Garage, Blockstream had helped Digital Garage use Blockstream's enterprise-facing blockchain platform elements 
to develop real-time exchange systems for loyalty points and digital currencies as well as regional money systems, Mao told Bitcoin Magazine. Under the new partnership, Blockstream will take another $10 million U.S. in funding from Digital Garage, which it will use to focus on Liquid, its cryptocurrency data feed, and new product lines. While the JPY token will position Blockstream in the Japanese market, SettleNet isn't confined to its first asset. SettleNet will provide liquid network participants, including cryptocurrency exchanges, OTCs, and financial institutions, with the functions requiring for issu- required for issuance, trading, and transaction monitoring of digital assets, the suite websites state. As Mao indicated, it's made to make the process of issuing liquid assets easier. In the future, he's hopeful that it will be used to support more sidechain assets that can interpolate or interoperate with Bitcoin's network. Mao believes that the JPY token could be the first of many stable coins native to Blockstream's liquid, telling Block, uh, Bitcoin Magazine that interest from stablecoin creators could mean more to come soon. We've been in talks with many of the stablecoin issuers, and I think there's a lot of interest to leverage something robust and secure like Liquid. There's also the added bonus of confidentiality for stablecoin transactions within Liquid Tanks or Liquid Thanks to the confidential assets feature and multi-sig issuance, so multiple parties have to sign off on any new issuances. You can expect more stablecoins on Liquid soon. Okay, so that's going to do it for that. Um, uh, this is going back to the stability uh, thing for permaculture. As much as we want to be maximalists, it's going to be increasingly difficult to do so. That's sort of my prediction. Um, I, I s- still believe and will continue to always believe that Bitcoin is going to be king. Um, and everything is going to be in everything that is in existence is going to either one way or another be pegged to Bitcoin or have some connection to the Bitcoin network, is able to interoperate with said network, and Blockstream is is doing that. Am I am I happy about it? I you know, I don't know. I I it, it doesn't tell you the truth, it's right now it's not changing the temperature of the water in my pool. So I, I kind of don't care, but it is, it's, it's enough to, I care enough about it to continue to watch this thing because this could easily go off the rails. It, it, it could easily, easily go off the rails. Um, so next thing up in my stack I, uh, is for anybody who hasn't heard the segment, um, I have the audio of uh, Twitter's Jack talking to uh, Joe Rogan on the Joe Rogan experience. And I'm going to play that for you now so you can hear it. What was the the thought process with, I mean, one of the things that's kind of cool about the cash app is that you can buy and sell Bitcoin with it. Yeah. Um, are you going, are you guys going to consider other forms of cryptocurrency as well? Not right now. I, so back to the internet, I believe the internet will have a native currency. Really? It'll have a native currency. And I don't know if it's Bitcoin. I, I think it will because just given all the tests it's been through and the principles behind it, how it was created, and, um, you know, it was, it was something that was born on the Internet, that was developed on the Internet, that was tested on the Internet. It, it, it is of the Internet. And mm. the reason we, um, you know, we enabled uh, the purchasing of Bitcoin within within the Cash App is, 
One, we want to learn about the technology and we want to put ourselves out there and take some risk. We're the first publicly traded company to actually offer it as a service. We're the first publicly traded company to talk to the SEC about Bitcoin and what that what that means. And it it made us uncomfortable. We had to we had to, you know, like really understand what was going on and and that was critical and important. And then the second thing is that we, you know, we would we would love to see something become a global currency. It, it, it enables more access. It, it allows us to serve more people. It allows us to move much faster around the world. And um, we, uh, we, we thought we were going to start with how you can use it transactionally, but we noticed that people were treating it more like an asset, like a, like a virtual gold. And we wanted to, um, we wanted just to make that easy, like um, just the simplest way uh, to buy and sell Bitcoin. But we also knew that it had to come with a lot of education. It had to come with constraint because, you know, two years ago, people did some really unhealthy things about, you know, purchasing Bitcoin. They maxed out their credit cards and um, put all their life savings into into Bitcoin. So we we developed some very simple uh, restrictions and constraints. Like you can you can't buy Bitcoin on the Cash App with a credit card. You have to. It has to be the money you actually have in it. And we look for day trading, which we uh, we discourage and shut down. All right. So there you have it, direct from uh, Jack, uh, creator and CEO of Twitter uh, and Cash App as well. Um, yeah. I mean, there's there's good and bad in that. The good in it is the fact that Jack kind of sees Bitcoin for what it really is. Uh, it's king pretty much all the way around. Um, but what the thing that I didn't like is what he said. Well, okay, I do and I don't like it. Uh, the shutting down, the, the monitoring for and shutting down of day trading on the Cash App. Uh, he can do what he wants. It's his company. But it kind of is not well it it follows in line with twitter's uh shit canning of lots of people that that say things that apparently are are questionable and again it's his company he can do what he wants i i get that i i really do but you know there People should be more respectful of the First Amendment, even though in their private dealings they don't have to because the First Amendment doesn't any of the any of the amendments of the United States really doesn't impact. It's not a rule for me. It's a rule for government that concerns me, my ability to say the things that I want to say. Federal, state, local governments are not allowed to do anything about that, even though they do. But technically, they're, they're not allowed to do that. does not apply to private companies. So Jack can do what he wants. I just I wish that he would have a little bit more. Oh, I think I, I wish I kind of just want him to cozy up a little bit more to the First Amendment and not care so much what other people are saying and allow what they want to impact you know, his business. Because uh, I know that that's what's, you know, one of the things that's going on is he may, we don't really know what he cares about, um, except for one thing. And that's when a lot of people start ringing, ringing his phone and starts yammering into, into his ear everywhere he goes. 
yeah, it's he's going to make these these weird decisions. In either event, he can shut down day trading on Cash App if that's what you're doing. Um, I uh, also I did fundamentally agree that um, during the run up of <clears throat> the 2017 run up to the $20,000 Bitcoin price, people did some insanely, insanely stupid things. Just like you said, maxing out credit cards, putting their life savings. One of the things that he didn't mention were people that, that had fully owned their house that took out not one, but maybe two, if not three mortgages, which basically put them right back into debt with the bank so that they could buy somewhere around the top of which, as we see, those people that did that um, are in brutal territory. Don't do that. And that's not just Bitcoin. That's anything, man. It's like if for whatever reason you want to just go long Chevron stock and you mortgage your house that you own to do it, yeah, don't do that. I mean, it's stock, silver, gold, Bitcoin, Litecoin, other you know, other properties, you know, with your personal money. Um, yeah, God, don't do that. So I am glad that he did make a cash app where you can't purchase Bitcoin with a credit card that you actually have to have it linked to a, a bank account. We, I know, I know I, I can hear everybody screaming at me now. The KYC AML, I don't like that crap either. I cannot like it until I'm blue in the face. But this is, if you want to use Cash App, you're going to get your ass KYC'd. If you don't want to get KYC'd, don't use Cash App. Don't use Coinbase. Don't use any of the places that, that are going to uh, cause KYC because that's always going to be with us. So with all that said, let's get into this next thing. Um, wrap your head around this. BTC is now featured as a token on Ethereum. Again, this is written by Colin Harper uh, from Bitcoin Magazine, and let's get into it. It happened. Bitcoin is now an Ethereum token. Ah, oh, God, I just, I just say, I'm sorry, this is me talking. Just saying that kind of makes me a little ill. Uh, okay, fine, whatever. Wrapped Bitcoin, WBTC, an ERC-20 token with a one-to-one -one peg to Bitcoin went live on the Ethereum network on the final day of January. The first token that makes Bitcoin compatible with the Ethereum chain, its architects say. Kyber Network, BitGo, and Ren spearheaded the community-led initiative, which has spread its reach to AirSwap, BitGo, Blockfolio, Compound, DDEX, Hydro, Dharma, Gnosis, GoPax, Kyber Network, Lopring Protocol, MakerDAO, Omizgo, Pyricto, Ren, Set Protocol, and The Ocean. These members of the WBTC DAO are a mixture of liquidity, infrastructure, and custodial partners. The tokens network will rely on some of them to facilitate BTC to WBTC swaps for its users. To exchange their BTC for WBTC or vice versa, Users must enter into a request with a WBTC merchant, someone who basically sells or more accurately distributes WBTC to users in exchange for Bitcoin or Bitcoin in exchange for WBTC and go through, you guessed it, KYC. 
These merchants act as a go-between for the user and the network's liquidity pool, the custodians. Okay, I'm going to break pause for a minute. Everything about that last paragraph should have you just going, shaking your head. This is not trustless. This is third-party out the wazoo. Oh, my. I just... Ugh. Oh, okay. Sorry. We'll, we'll continue. The merchant takes this request to a custodian who will either deny or honor the request and mint or burn WBTC for the user. Minting and burning takes place directly between the merchant and the custodian through an atomic swap, a protocol that allows users to trustlessly trade assets cross-chain, in this case, BTC and WBTC. To trigger the process, a merchant would submit a minting request to an Ethereum smart contract while simultaneously sending Bitcoin to the custodian. The custodian then waits for six confirmations on the Bitcoin chain and approves the minting request on the Ethereum network, and the approval triggers the mint operation in which the merchant gets the WBTC. Yaron Vellner, the CTO of Kyber Network, told Bitcoin Magazine. The user is not involved in the swap, in this first swap, in any way. To claim their tokens, slash Bitcoin, the user then has to enter in either an atomic swap or trusted exchange which, with the merchant. Kyber Network and Republic Protocol will kickstart the network as its first merchants and eight wrapped Bitcoin community members, AirSwap, Dharma, Ethfinex, Gopax, Kyber Network, Pyrocto, P, sorry guys, P-R-Y-C-T-O, REN, and SET Protocol, will kickstart the network's WBTC and BTC liquidity vehicle as merchants, while BitGo will be the sole custodian to start. Members of the WBTC DAO will oversee a multi-signature wallet that will handle the permissions and keys necessary for assigning or retracting merchant and custodial custodian roles. The project promises to bring Ethereum smart contract utility to Bitcoin and the benefits of Bitcoin's liquidity to Ether's token market. Currently, Ethereum dominates the decentralized exchange landscape, and there's no way for traders to directly trade their Bitcoin for tokens. They have to go through centralized exchanges for that, giving traders the option to import Bitcoin to Ethereum to trade its value as an ERC-20 token. WBTC could unleash a sea of Bitcoin liquidity into Ethereum's decentralized exchanges. This is likely why IDEX, the largest DEX on Ethereum, is involved along with AirSwap, DDEX, Ethanex, and others. As an ERC-20 token, WBTC can also execute smart contracts, meaning dApps could use the token like WBTC Community Partners Compound, Dharma, DYDX, BZX, Gnosis, Maker, and Set Protocol. And developers can start building new applications on WBTC. Wholesale, the project sells itself as combing the benefits of Ethereum and Bitcoin, making it simple to handle the wrapped currency with only the Ethereum node. It's an ambitious project bringing together crypto's two most valued networks, one that wants to utilize the best of both cipher worlds. It's one through, oh, uh, sorry. It's one though that wrapped Bitcoin is backing up with immediate utility and liquidity at launch, but it's also one that comes with trade-offs. 
Quote, Kyber Network and REN have produced an initial amount of WBTC tokens from their own Bitcoin inventory to provide initial liquidity and make WBTC immediately available for swaps with users. BitGo will be the initial custodian, a press release states. Eight initial merchants will be facilitating conversion between WBTC and BTC. AirSwap, Dharma, Ethernex, GoPax, Kyber Network, Pirto, however you pronounce that, REN, and SET Protocol. The token service is starting centralized, and you have to go through KYC to be verified with merchants to submit token minting or burning requests. BitGo will be the sole custodian for the beginning, meaning that all swaps will be conducted by the blockchain and wallet services company. Various decentralized and centralized exchanges will have procured WBTC inventory to support liquidity for the token with the live supply of WBTC observable on the WBTC dashboard. The press release also states WBTC will also have usage on a handful of dApps out of the gate, including BZX, Compound Dharma, DYDX, blah, 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 blah. CoinGecko, the project's market data partner, will be covering WBTC data. The service is fairly centralized out of the gate, something the project recognizes in its white paper, describing its structure as a federated governance model. Even if the merchants are distributed and sparsely at that for the time being, BitGo's custody of pegged-in Bitcoin is both a counterparty risk and a single point of failure. Of course, BitGo has multi-signature and cold wallet services to mitigate these risks. But for a project that brands itself as giving users an out-from-centralized service, like exchanges, it offers a similar degree of centralization with just a few more steps. Instead of submitting your coins to the custody of a centralized exchange, you're putting them in custody with a separate company and then using the tokens of credit this company gives you instead of the credit you'd use on the centralized exchange to trade them elsewhere. Still, A functional Bitcoin to Ethereum bridge is a novel addition to the industry's architecture, something that RSK is working on and Blockstream could theoretically build with Liquid. And uh, as Vitalik Buterin said on Twitter, Liquid's federated sidechain is semi-subject to the same centralization as wrapped Bitcoin. (coughs) But Liquid's liquidity partners are more evenly distributed and don't require a third party for custody. WBTC, like Liquid, could sufficiently decentralize in the future, given enough adoption, Buterin concludes. Uh, Wrapped Bitcoin lists BitGo as its initial custodian, leaving a vague sense that more will come in the future, but they will have to be regulated to hold the Bitcoin. The project's white paper makes clear if its influence fans out, more merchants and custodians could provide some risk mitigation and help the project decentralize. Its website has open applications for partnerships keeping with the initiative's claim to be a community-driven effort. Quote, the fundamental design of WBTC and the continuing commitment of all members to openness will form the essential building blocks for a transparent process framework and governance structure relying on these foundation principles. WBTC will remain a firmly community-led initiative into the future, focused on driving continued innovation for the enhancement of the entire ecosystem. And that's going to do it for that. Um, The whole thing makes me cringe. Everything about this, everything about this is just bad. All right, now, 
it's going to happen. It's already happening. But these statements that like, especially this last one, WBTC will remain a firmly community led initiative. How, how do you, how do you guarantee that? The only way uh, that is just, it's so completely outside the realm of natural systems that it's not even funny. You're not, this not going to remain transparent. This is going to be a hotbed for scam. Everything about this is wrong. It just is wrong. It depends way too much on centralization. It depends way too much on multiple third parties. I mean, this is not just one third party. If I send my coins to an exchange, that's a third party. This thing is like sending something to an exchange, which then has to send it to another type of exchange so that it can do process X to give you Y. And so not only is there not only is there one centralized aspect, there's, you know, in third party issues, there's two. All right. So, and then the the kicker about this whole thing is this process seems elegant. And I do not mean that in a good way. Uh, in, in um, electronics, there is either discrete or there are elegant um, ways to solve, you know, a, a problem. You want discrete. You do not want elegance. You do, and, and by elegance, it means it's a it's it's a way to do something that could have been done instead of doing it in one step or two. It's done in like fifteen because it's so sexy to talk about the you know, the way that the signal is processed through like a, uh, like a mixing console, right? Like a solid state logic, you know, 5,000 or something at, at a recording studio. <clears throat> but even those guys use discrete circuitry. I mean, that that the, the best mixing consoles and, and audio consoles do or did not. And a lot of this stuff is done through, uh, digital, completely digital means now, but back in the day when you were recording to tape, um, a lot of these processes, uh, they were done once instead of a situation where you this the, the signal from the microphone went through all these different types of things to, that, that could have literally been done in one step. And this is what I see here is I, I see an elegance that is not necessary. There, nothing about this is even remotely necessary. And in fact, I think the liquid sidechain pretty much does all this, but it does it in a much more discreet fashion than what I'm reading here. So, yeah, uh, let's let's get rid of let's get rid of that one. Um, what's up in the stack here? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Wayne Vaughn. Uh, has a tweet out and it's at Wayne Vaughn, all one word discussion at Satoshi Roundtable this morning. Lightning will suppress tax fees. What about the Bitcoin fee market? Well, we might have to introduce low inflation rate to Bitcoin once the block reward gets too low. And yeah, as you could, as you could rightly imagine, that's has set off everybody. Because the whole point, 
the whole point of Bitcoin upon its release was there will only ever be 21 million coins. So what's going to happen? Um, first of all, nobody has to worry about this for 20 years. And then you got another, what is it? I don't know. Another, God, you don't really have to worry about this until the having, you know, the having becomes, yeah, I, I guess about 20, about 20 years uh, there will be enough Bitcoin havings that there may, unless the price is just really, really high, then the uh, my, there might be some pressure on the miners to close up shop because they're just not getting enough money to pay their elect, you know electricity bill and put food in their mouths. When that happens, always watch for people to to move on. However, if you introduce inflation to take care of mining costs, which it would happen way off in the future. I mean, we're, we're, again, this is like, this is a 20 year down the road issue that people are freaking out about now. And there's no need to freak out about it. It doesn't mean don't think about it, but the whole notion of automatically run into inflation to solve your problems means that we haven't learned a damn thing, not a damn thing. So, um, if, something like this were to happen. And this, this assumes that 20, 25 years in the future, that absolutely no solutions other than inflation will come up. And I'm calling BS on that. Solutions are going to come down the pipe like you have never seen before. And the reason I say that is because we're already seeing never seen before as far as development is concerned. To think that there is not an answer outside of an inflation rate addition is ridiculous. So what will happen if for whatever reason, uh, a group of people like the S2X crowd, remember the Segwit2X, if a group of people get into a room again at some freaking five-star hotel, sit down at a table and try to say, we're going to add a 1% inflation rate to the Bitcoin network, looking at a hard fork. And guess which fork I'm going to be on. Uh, first of all, I'll probably be on both because like every other fork that has to happen with a hard fork, I'll end up getting, you know, inflation Bitcoin uh, dumped, uh, dumped in my wallet and I'll still have all my other Bitcoin. So I'm not, yeah, uh, I wouldn't worry too much about about the, the noise that's going on here. <coughs> Uh, let's see. Last up in the stack from morning roundup is a crypto Steve at the real TX sharp, uh, has a tweet out there. It says being a Texan, having state envy is an entirely new thing to me, but what Caitlin long and the leadership of Wyoming has done for cryptocurrencies is fantastic and worthy of tremendous praise. Come on, Texas, let's not get left behind. And he adds Governor Abbott uh, on his tw- uh, Governor Abbott's Twitter account so that he'll hopefully he'll see it. And um, I, I responded to this by saying, going to have to agree with my fellow Texan here at Governor Abbott. You need to get us back in front of the curve. Um, and then I call on P- Perry Rochard and Bitstein. Can y'all throw in with us here? Because those are some good Texans right there. And um yeah, it's what Caitlin Long in the state of Wyoming is doing is absolutely fantastic. The fact that it's not happening in Texas is a bummer. 
a, a real bummer. In fact, I kind of expected Texas to be all over this, completely in front of it, um, and we're not. We're just, we're not. Texas is barely able to even think about legalizing marijuana, much less how we're going to uh, invite people in the cryptocurrency domain to set up shop in Texas. <clears throat> because like Wyoming, Texas has no personal income tax and our state income tax for businesses is insanely low. And we have a really, really highly educated population that is able to take care of almost any technical aspect you may uh, want to throw a stick at. So the fact that we haven't as a state said a damn thing about anything except for uh looks like a uh, a Texas judge um made some made some waves last year or the year before where they were telling uh, uh, another company it's oh 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 it was BitConnect that's right uh Texas served a cease and desist or something or other like that on BitConnect uh which started BitConnect's uh devolution into the uh, muckraking pile of crap that it was um, but I, I do expect, um, and I mean, I say this and I expect Texas to get in front of the curve. Will we, I don't know. I expect us to, because my God, how are you going to let Wyoming beat us to the punch? I mean, come on, there's, you know, Wyoming is setting us up for an incredible race to the finish line here and we're just not taking it. And it's sad. But that said, I really am appreciative of Caitlin Long and the state of Wyoming for showing that you can't, a state could do this. And Wyoming is going to reap benefits hand over fist long into the future. And Texas will miss out on all of it if we don't get in front of the curve. So, with that, that's going to be your morning roundup. And uh, let's get into uh, vital statistics. Ah, you know what? I completely forgot. Uh, I need to read this to you. This is from this is the uh, a medium post from Flare Mining. We talked about that at the beginning of the show. Flare Mining turning waste natural gas into an alternative store of value through Bitcoin mining. Flare Mining's innovative flare gas capture and processing system turn systems turn raw associated gas from a waste into digital currency income. Gas flaring is the combustion of associated gas produced with crude oil or from gas fields. The impact of gas flaring is of local and global concern. Gas flaring is one of the most challenging energy and environmental problems facing the world today, whether regionally or globally. It is a multi-billion dollar waste, a local environmental catastrophe, and a global energy and environmental problem which has persisted for decades. The option to release gas to the atmosphere by flaring and venting is an essential practice in oil and gas production, primarily for safety reasons. Flaring is the controlled burning of natural gas produced in association with oil in the course of routine oil and gas production operations. Venting is the controlled release of gases into the atmosphere in the course of oil and gas production operations. Solving the problem of this nuisance called venting while ensuring safe operation and to minimize undesirable venting led to the introduction of flaring. <clears throat> we are delivering a plug-and-play product, flare pods, 
that captures the natural gas that would otherwise be flared to generate emission-free electricity that will be turned in a, into a store of value. And in the meanwhile, it will reduce or eliminate on-site flaring. Additionally, it successfully demonstrates an effective means of changing the landscape for industries where flaring was previously believed to be the only solution. We are aiming both onshore and offshore flare gas energy sources as almost 50% of the issue is coming from the ocean exploration. The solution is modular, self-contained, secure, obviously remotely monitored, and easily deployable in the course of three days. The first flare pod units will be deployed in Mexico and the United States from March to August of 2018. Many state regulations require that oil and gas companies significantly reduce the amount of natural gas that is burned in flares over the next several years or face steep penalties and potential curtailment of oil production for wells that do not meet the reductions. This increasingly, re, this increasingly requires for oil and gas companies meant to curb the venting and leaking of natural gas during their operations. When released, natural gas emits methane, a potent greenhouse gas, into the atmosphere. Satellite plus cellular connection ensures that doesn't matter where you are as long as you have flare gas available. It provides clean methane utilization without capital-intensive gas cleanup, huge capital costs for untested technologies, or heavy maintenance associated. We're deploying a system that balances energy supply and demand at a global scale without distribution networks. The decentralization of Bitcoin is able to drive the decentralization of energy production, which could turn into one of the most important trends in human history. At this moment, we want to grasp the feel of the community to participate in this business. We are, until the end of May, accepting early investors to come on board. Soon we will be, de soon we will be deploying our white paper and technical information. See you soon. Um, so, yeah, that's www.flareminning.com if you want to go visit their website. Um, my initial reactions to this um, are sort of what we talked about last week. Uh, hydrogen sulfide exists in almost all methane production uh, and gas capture off of off of oil fields. And when you burn that in an internal combustion engine, you're going to destroy your engine at some length of time relative to the amount of hydrogen sulfide that's found in the gas. So I have reached out to these guys to ask them a, a specific question as to how they handle scrubbing of H2S out of the uh, methane stream before it goes into a generator. Uh, they haven't written back yet, but you know, give, give, we'll, we'll give, we'll give them some time. Anyway. So with that said, now we will get into vital statistics. Okay. Bitcoin is sitting at an average of $3,434.66 USD. And this is given to us uh, by bitinfocharts.com. It looks like the high for Bitcoin is going to be sitting on Bitfinex at $3,488. And the low looks like it's going to be at GDAX at $3,409. Um, oh, and right there, it changed. Right BTC is now listing uh, BTC at 3,450. So that is going to be, be the actual high. Uh, 
332,000 transactions in Bitcoin were made over the last 24 hours with an average of 13,800 per hour. Uh, it looks like 1,722 Bitcoin. Oh, I'm sorry. 1.7 million Bitcoin were sent over the last 24 hours. And the average transaction value is 5.19 BTC. And the median transaction value is 0.024 BTC or $82.63, which is down from its normal average of anywhere between like 150 to 300. Block time is low, uh, 9 minutes and 21 seconds per block. We have generated 151 blocks over the last 24 hours. And the reward per block, or at least the uh, um, uh, fees per block, looks like it's kind of averaging out at 0.1045 BTC. Reward over the last 24 hours uh, has been 15.77 BTC in fees. The hash rate has dropped. Um, uh, looks like it's dropped 3.11% in the last 24 hours, leaving us at 40.6 exahashes per second. And the last uh, last Bitcoin, or I'm sorry, the last GitHub commit was done on uh, February the 3rd, so yesterday. Across the board, Ethereum is averaging 107. Bcash is 118. Litecoin is 33.76 USD. Bitcoin SV, or BSV, 63.03 USD. Ethereum Classic is 3.89 USD. And Dogecoin is 0.0019 USD. Still, however, let's look at the uh, transactions across the board. Uh, Dogecoin has has more transactions than Bcash and BSV combined as usual. Nobody is using Bcash. Nobody is using BSV. Just stop it. And that'll do it for Vital Statistics. The Daily Train Wrecked is brought to you by the Times of Israel. And they have a, uh, they, let's just read their, their story here. Send us Bitcoin, cash-strapped Hamas pleads. Amid financial isolation, terror group's military wing says donations of digital currency will help support the resistance financially. Gaza City. Hamas, which has fought th three wars with Israel and faces financial isolation, called on supporters Tuesday to send funds via Bitcoin. A spokesman for the Palestinian terror group's military wing sent out a message calling for support to be sent in the virtual currency. Quote, support the resistance financially through the Bitcoin currency, it said, adding the exact mechanism would be announced later. Hamas, which runs the Gaza Strip and seeks to destroy Israel, is considered a terrorist organization by Israel and the United States and the European Union and others. It has faced financial woes in recent years as banks have sought to ensure they have no dealings with the organization. The statement accused Israel of seeking to cut Hamas's access to finance. Hamas has also faced increasing financial pressure, pressure as the West Bank-based Palestinian Authority has also cut off much of its funding for the Strip. 
Hamas officials say its military wing receives significant amount of support from Iran, although the routes through which these funds are transferred are opaque. Bitcoin has faced criticism in the past over underground websites where people have used the currency to buy drugs and guns. There was no immediate reply from Bitcoin. Wow, there was no immediate reply from Bitcoin. It's been 10 years. I, okay, you know, yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm not a supporter of Hamas, by, and that's not why I read this story. I read this story simply because of the line, there was no immediate reply from Bitcoin. How the hell did you call them? Seriously, think about that. It it entertains the the thought that for there to be an immediate reply from Bitcoin means that they must the reporter or the Times of Israel as a as an organization must have reached out to Bitcoin. Did they Sorry. You think they called Roger at bitcoin.com? <laughs> I'm serious, man. How how do you get this this wrong? And the answer is because they're ignorant, which means that's that is a problem. If something like the Times of Israel, which isn't I mean it's it's not a very small organization, it's a rather large organiza- news organization, been around for years. Uh if they don't know one of the major nuances of Bitcoin Insofar as there is no CEO of Bitcoin, there is no offices for Bitcoin, it is completely decentralized. You can't call anybody about Bitcoin. You can like call people who are in the environment of Bitcoin and ask them their opinions on stuff. But even then, half of the Bitcoin community will look at the other half of the Bitcoin community saying things about Bitcoin, calling BS immediately just because everybody knows there's no CEO of Bitcoin. Nobody speaks for Bitcoin. So I, I, want, I would really like to know who they reached out to because clearly if they were expecting a reply from Bitcoin, they had to call somebody, email somebody, write them a letter, I don't know, telegram, however that's done. I really, really, really want to know who the Times of Israel called um, and we're expecting a reply from because this is just pure gold. Okay. That does it for uh, episode 58 of Bitcoin And. And uh, whenever it is that uh, I get a chance to sit back in front of the mic, which should be tomorrow morning, I will give you episode 59 of Bitcoin And. And we can talk about all this stuff more and more and more. Oh, and uh, for uh, you Rams fans, sorry, dudes. Uh, from what I understand, the uh, Super Bowl, this Super Bowl was the most boring Super Bowl in the history of mankind. 
I didn't watch it because I was done with the NFL years and years and years ago. With that, I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.